Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Now here's Pastor Barry. Folks, I just wanted to add a little something before uh, the talk this morning. This has been a tough week for us. On Wednesday, when we recorded the sermon, uh, we saw some tragic things taking place in Washington, D.C. that included the loss of life and, uh, and a very great concern about our democracy and the way that folks were responding. I want to suggest to you that as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are people of the kingdom. We're also citizens of these United States, and I think God calls us to be good citizens. We had a prayer meeting on Wednesday evening, and specifically we, we looked at our nation and some of those concerns, and two people from the congregation each sent me a passage of scripture that they thought would be appropriate. Joanne Lawrence sent the passage from uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14 that talks about, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from them and will heal their land. And so I want to encourage you in these days ahead to remember our nation in prayer, remember the transition in power. And then also want to encourage you to remember where our hope lies. Craig McDonald sent another passage, Psalm 46, that says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And in these challenging times, it's important to realize that ultimately our destiny is with God and He is our refuge. He is our strength. Let's have confidence in Him in these days. North Sound Church family, great to be with you again this morning. So glad that you could join us for worship and some time around the Word. We're in a series uh, that we're excited about uh, doing a new thing. It's based upon an Old Testament passage where Isaiah talks about what God is doing. And uh, he's doing a new thing in our lives and we look forward to what he's gonna do in our lives and our congregation this year. Well, in this, the second uh, of the, the sermons in this series, we're gonna talk about coming together again, which has to do with fellowship. Now, I have to tell you that although it's not a course, in Bible college or seminary, although perhaps it should be, I think an essential ingredient for a pastor is having a sense of humor. Now, uh, I think many of us who are pastors are secretly people pleasers. We, we want everyone in the congregation to be happy, and we discover at some point along the line that we're not able to do that. I remember one Sunday morning in particular where a gentleman came out after the service and said to me, oh, the, the, the sound was just too loud that morning. And uh, so typically in those situations, I just listened politely and the gentleman uh, went on his way and then somebody followed him and said, oh, what a wonderful service this morning. Uh, on another occasion, um, I had uh, a similar situation. An individual shared with me how he just didn't connect emotionally with the service. It just didn't work for him. And shortly after he came, I heard from another individual that said his friend was at the service and that God ministered to him in a profound way even before uh, the first song. And so 
uh, that's kind of the way things are. But uh, I want to suggest that although it's humorous, sometimes we may recognize ourselves in this picture. Because for many people in America in 2021, church has become, uh, well, an interesting experience. Uh, an experience that a, a very brief video will suggest of what church has become for some. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys, right? Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm gonna join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. Now, contrary to the video, we like to call ourselves a missional church or perhaps better even a missionary church. It's a church that's externally focused. It's a church without walls. It's a church that isn't focused so much on us as it is the community around us. A missional church is serious about outreach. It's serious about touching the lives of those who are not yet a part of the kingdom of God. But it's a tragedy if a baby arrives in the home of a dysfunctional family, the baby is not off to a good start. And it's a tragedy if someone wants to come into the kingdom but finds the family that they've joined to be a dysfunctional family. Jesus addresses this and indeed the Me Church video that we just saw is a, is a picture of that kind of a dysfunctional uh, group of people. And so for us as a church, we, we look at God's word and we see that he addresses this in a, in, in a reflection that he gives about the Pharisees and the, the church, and church of course is in quotation marks because um, the church wasn't yet established, Jesus' ministry was just going on, but the Pharisees had a unique take on what faith was and what relationship with God was. And it reflected this problem. It reflected them laying down laws that people couldn't keep. In fact, they couldn't keep the laws themselves. They were hypocrites. And they didn't present well to those around them. They put these burdens, terrible burdens on these people. And they looked down on others. And, and Jesus addressed this kind of thinking, this kind of congregation, if you will, in Matthew chapter 23. He, he illustrated the difficulties of the way the Pharisees approached it there, and again in quotation marks, their, their church life. And I don't usually use the message version, but today I, I'm going to actually quote in several places from the message version, which is a, a, a translation by Eugene Peterson uh, in very colloquial, very current kind of language. 
And this is what Jesus said in that passage. Now Jesus turned to address his disciples along with the crowd that had gathered with them. The religious scholars and Pharisees are competent teachers in God's law, he said. You won't go wrong in following their teaching on Moses, but be careful about following them. They talk a good line, but they don't live it. They don't take it into their hearts and live it out in their behavior. It's all spit and polish veneer. He says, instead of giving you God's law as food and drink by which you can banquet on God, they package it in bundles of rules, loading down people like pack animals. They seem to take pleasure in watching you stagger under the threat, under these loads, and, and wouldn't think of lifting a finger to help. Their lives are perpetual fashion shows, embroidered prayer shawls one day and flowery prayers the next. They love to sit at the head table at church dinners basking in the most prominent positions, preening the, the radiance of, of, the, of the public flattery and receiving honorary degrees and getting called doctor and reverend. Don't let people do that to you. Put you on a pedestal like that. You all have a single teacher and you're all classmates. Don't set people up as experts over your life, letting them tell you what to do. Save that authority for God. Let him tell you what to do. No one else should carry the title father. You have only one father and he's in heaven. Don't let people maneuver you into taking charge of them. There is only one life leader for you and them, and that's Christ. Do you want to stand out? Then step down, be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. He says, I've had it with you. You're hopeless. You religion scholars, you Pharisees, frauds. Your lives are roadblocks to God's kingdom. You refuse to, refuse to enter and won't let anyone else enter in either. He says, you're hopeless. You religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You go halfway around the world to make a convert. But once you get him and you make him into a replica of yourselves, double damned. And I think the key for us this morning as the family of God, that is North Sound Church, is this last statement. You see, if we ourselves and our church are arrogant and inauthentic, why bother going after other people? Why be missional? Why even attempt to engage the community? Because if that's the way we are, why would anyone in their right mind want to be a part of us? Now in this talk today, I'm gonna to mention a couple of theologians. Please don't hit the pause or fast forward button. Take, take a moment and listen to the insights because um, they're really good insights. The first is from a missiologist by the name of Daryl Guder. And when we started North Sound Church, the book that he wrote called Church was, was very influential. He says this about the nature of the church. He says, not isolated individuals, but a redeemed people who are experiencing reconciliation with God and fellowship with each other is called to witness God's intent to overcome the rebellion and alienation of humanity through the establishment, through the establishment of a society of joy, righteousness, faith, and love. 
Salvation is not a private transaction between the individual and God, but a social reality of transformed relationships. The, the cultivating of missional communities through church practices is not simply an instrumental means to a desired end, but manifests itself in the very mission of the church. He says the life of the church is its witness and the witness of the church is its life. The question of authentic witness is the question of authentic community. And, and friends, I think that last line says it all. That question of authentic witness is the question of authentic community. In other words, if our lives are not transformed by the Holy Spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ, what do we really have to offer others? We don't want to bring them into dysfunctional community. They don't want to be a part of that. We need to bring them into a group of people who are on this journey of transformation. So how do we become an authentic community that is so attractive that people want to be a part of it? Well, the answer is found in 1 John and it's a description of the character of God. Perhaps you're very familiar with this. Um, John writes, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And the greatest commandment we know is a commandment about love. God is love, that's his character. And the greatest commandment when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, he said it's to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. He says on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So friends, as we aspire to live out that love as exemplified by God between each person in the Trinity and by extension, we will have a contagious community, a community of witness by the very nature of the kind of people that we are, whose best witness is not so much our words, but the evidence of what's happening amongst us. So what are some of the signs of this community? Well, the first thing I want to suggest uh, is from Ephesians 5.21, and that is that mutual submission and service motivated by love are one of the key signs of the community that God intended the church to be. The best explanation for this verse is really the opposite of the me church clip that we saw. In Romans 12, Paul talks about this and says this in beginning in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. In other words, have a realistic appraisal of yourself and then engage in ministry together because everyone, virtually everyone, has something to contribute to the good of the whole. Now the second thing that I wanna suggest is that a mark of this kind of church is that we are forgiven and we are forgiving. The church is made up of human beings, let's face it. And we are all sinners, we're, we're all imperfect. Um, and it's only by God's grace that we're saved. We get angry, we, we fail, we, we make mistakes, we hurt each other. Sometimes we want our own way. And in the midst of that 
perfection, what makes us the kind of community that we're talking about here? Well, friends, it's the ability in the midst of that to extend forgiveness when those things happen and to receive forgiveness ourselves. It's important, I think, for us to understand that we sometimes do blow it and we need to be forgiving with others because we need them to forgive us. We are agents of reconciliation. Part of our mission is to put things back together, to put relationships back together. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, again from the message version. He says, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or what they look like. We look at the Messiah and the way that, that, that we once got it wrong. But in fact, as you know, we, we certainly don't look at the Messiah in the wrong way anymore. But in fact, now we look inside and we see what it is that everyone can be united with the Messiah. Everyone gets a fresh start. Everyone is created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. All that comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationship with others. God put the word square uh, within himself through the Messiah, giving the, the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now because uh, becoming friends with God, he's, he's always a friend with us. We need to become friends with him. Friends, when we hurt each other, we need to extend forgiveness. And sometimes this takes time and, and it can't be uh, superficial, but it's fundamental to being a loving community. The third thing I want to suggest that's a, an identifying factor of this kind of church, this kind of a, a congregation, this kind of a community of faith, is that of growth. One of the important things to realize is that we just don't get together for fellowship. I love Club Grub, and I'm looking forward to that day when we can get together in the family room of the Little White Church and once again eat together and have fellowship. It's great, and I love it. But our call is to more than fellowship. Uh, one of the great goals of North Sound Church is that we become a place where people who are a part of the family enter into a relationship with God that leads to spiritual maturity. It's important for us to understand this. As Paul says uh, regarding spiritual uh, maturity, these words in Ephesians 4, he says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it grows itself up together in love. Notice this recurring theme in authentic community, we grow together, 
We love each other and each one does his or her part in building up the community. We grow spiritually as individuals and we grow spiritually as the community of faith together because we need each other. And then I also wanna mention um, the unity of the spirit as an identifying factor of this kind of church that we're talking about. As we grow together, as we live in unity, we are to be in that unity that comes from being a part of a community that is in relationship with the Holy Spirit. A little later in the, or a little earlier, excuse me, in this chapter in Ephesians that we just looked at, Paul talks about the importance of unity in the spirit. He, he says that um, we need to be aware of the presence and power of God in our church. And I, I wanna say just a word about the presence and power of context of unity, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. One of my big concerns for North Sound Church from the very beginning was not really external threats. We, we've had some challenges in the community. Don't have a whole lot of time to share that at this point, but there have been some external threats. There have been some challenges, but I haven't really worried too much about those. The ones that I worry about are, are the internal threats, the threats of disunity within the body of Christ, that is North Sound Church. You see, we're promised that he who is in us is greater than he who is, the wor is in the world. We can overcome the world, but one of the great problems that we face is within the body of Christ is the, that exercise of, of our wills and, and wanting not God's will to be done, but our will to be done, or somehow believing that our will is God's will and trying to force that upon others. Think about the many things over which we can disagree. Most recently over COVID, churches have had fits uh, because of the, 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 the different perspectives on how do we respond to this. Some wanna blow off regulations and have services like usual because nobody's gonna tell the church what to do. <coughs> and other folks think we shouldn't meet at all, the doors shouldn't be open. And, and trying, to, trying to navigate this is a, uh, is a challenge. And we dare not in this season raise anything political. Anything slightly political sets off all sorts of alarm and, and the challenges that disunity will erupt as a result. There are so many self-wills at work, as many self-wills as there are people. And so our greatest, uh, I think, threat as an effective church is disunity. Because instead of making great strides in reaching out to the community, when disunity happens, what happens is our energies come inward and we spend our time trying to sort out doing conflict resolution. May God spare us of this. In Ephesians 4, once again in the message version, Paul says this. He says, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prison for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God has called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not uh, in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of loves, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together both outwardly and inwardly, 
You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Leslie Newbegin was a missionary to India and later a bishop. He was a visionary who understood the kind of church we're talking about. And he wrote about it when he said these words. He writes, Jesus, as I said earlier, did not write a book, but formed a community. This community has at its heart the remembering and rehearsing of his words and deeds and the sacraments given by him through which it is enabled both to engraft new members into its life and renew this life again and again through sharing in this risen life through the body broken and the lifeblood poured out. It exists in him and for him. He is the center of its life. Its char his character is given to it when it is true to its nature, not only by the characters of its members, but by his character. Insofar as it is true to its calling, it becomes the place where men and women and children find that the gospel gives them the framework of understanding, the lenses through which they are able to understand and cope with this world. Friends, the local church is the hope of the world. God has brought us together as a community. He calls us not only to impact our own lives, but to impact the world around us. I love the story, the wisdom shared Schultz in a Peanuts cartoon. In this particular cartoon, Lucy comes into the room and demands that Linus change the TV channel. And Linus is a little upset and he said, uh, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over, he says. So Lucy says, these five fingers. She said, individually they are nothing, but when I curl them together like this, into a single unit, they are a weapon to behold. Linus responds, which channel do you want? Turning away, he looks at his fingers and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? Friends, God put us together in community. No Lone Ranger Christians, no individuals who can't figure out how to get organized. In fact, we need to get organized as a powerful force to do the work of God in this world, to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today for the blessing of your presence. We thank you, Lord, that wherever we may be gathered today in a room with a computer, in a living room watching a television, on our smartphone, out on a walk, wherever it may be, that you have promised your presence with us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would minister to our lives. Help us, Lord, to understand the importance of the community in which you've called us, the importance of the body of Christ, and the fact that you desire for us to grow as individuals, but one of the ways that we grow, a critical way we grow, is in the context of community. Help us, Lord, to be the church that you've called us to be, a church made up of individuals who are growing in you and growing in their love for one another. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, as a pastor, it's been a, 
a joy for me to do something very unusual during this virus season that we have been in. And that is, I've had the time to become a part of another congregation. I've actually done very little surfing of what other churches are doing, um, but I have identified with a church um, that is a charismatic Anglican church in Oxford, England. And it's called St. Aldate's, and it's been such a joy to pray with them. I've been a part of a, of a daily prayer group when that was being offered. Um, I have enjoyed their worship services and prayer meetings. It's been a, a wonderful experience developing relationships with some of their leaders. This last Sunday, I was able to catch part of their service, and it closed with a song called Hold On that was put together by their worship team. And when I saw it, I wanted to share it with you. Please enjoy the song Hold On from the St. Aldate's worship team. When the year has been unkind And the hearts of the people are broken When the winter is long and wild And life like the earth becomes frozen In the darkest night There's a light that shines There's a hope that's burning in the shadows Like a scene of gold in a shattered world there is one who holds it all together if you played by anxiety if you fear for the future's unspoken if you've nurtured your dreams from seed But the harvest has failed or been stolen In the darkest night He's the light that shines He's the hope that's burning in the shadows Like a seam of gold Shattered world, he's the one who holds it all together. 
Christ, you're the morning light and the hope that lifts me from the shadows like a seam of gold in my shattered world. You're the one who holds it all together. And now, friends, let's be dismissed with God's blessing. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us this day and forevermore. Amen.